This is Father Reed Henserling, and we'll be looking at the Word of God this week for the third Sunday after Pentecost. And for those of you that are following along in the Book of Common Prayer, that would be proper seven, proper seven in the Book of Common Prayer. At the end of the Book of Common Prayer is the daily lectionary. There are two years, year one, year two. The third Sunday after Pentecost takes in the Sunday's lesson from June 21st through Saturday, June 27th. Now, if you look at the list of scriptures we're looking at in the Old Testament, we're looking at the book of Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Next book is Deuteronomy. The book of Numbers, we'll be looking at chapter 14, 16, 17, and 20. So they're not doing all the Old Testament consecutively, but giving you the key scriptures in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we'll be looking at the book of Romans. Paul's letter to Romans after uh, Acts. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, then Romans. We'll be looking at Romans 3.21 through Romans 6.11. And those are really good scriptures and they're consecutive. And then we've been in Matthew this last several weeks. We'll be looking at Matthew 19.13 to Matthew 21.11. All right? So as I've said to you the last couple of weeks, if you've been following and if this is your first time, we welcome you to this new series called The Word of God. And what we want to do is get you into reading the daily lectionary, reading the daily lectionary. So I got up this morning, and there were 15 things that I could have done, and a few things were accomplished, but I had and needed to take the opportunity to read the daily lectionary. Now, once you're doing it every day, it doesn't take very long to read the New Testament reading, the Old Testament reading, and the Gospel reading. You want, might want to read some of the Psalms also that are there for those of you that are looking at the Book of Common Prayer. But this is an opportunity, again, to familiarize yourself with the Bible by reading the Scriptures and getting a feel for the flow of thought and the flow of history and the flow of God's leading his people in the Old Testament through the book of Numbers, and then, of course, you have that great, extraordinary book, the book of Romans and a gospel. All right, let's begin in uh, Numbers chapter 14 on Sunday, Numbers 14, 26, and I'm just going to throw some highlight through each of these verses or chapters or sections as we look on it day to day from Sunday to Saturday. Numbers 14, 26 to 45. How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of the grumbling Israelites. And so when we grumble against the Lord, remember that the Israelite people are very much a paradigm of our lives and how we treat the Lord and how we deal with the Lord. And I will bring them in to enjoy the, the land that you rejected, but you, your bodies, will fall in the desert. Your children will be shepherds for 40 years. So what he's dealing with in the 14th chapter, in the 14th chapter of Numbers is a very important one, is that the people that did not believe 
The 10 people came back and said, we can't take this land. Remember Joshua and Caleb came back and said, we can, with the Lord's help. And because they did not believe, the 10 did not believe, they were to wander in the wilderness for 40 years and suffer for the fact that they did not believe. Now, what's the idea that God wants to bring to us? Believing in the Lord and trusting him to do the will that he wants you and I to do on a daily basis is the proper way that you want to live. It is the best way to live. We need to trust the Lord. We need to believe in the Lord. We need to put the Lord first. We need to do his will. On Monday, we look at uh, Numbers 16. We skip chapter 15. We go to 16. And we have a, a, another story uh, that the Lord gives to him. I, I marked out verse um, 5. Then he said to Korah and all of his followers, In the morning the Lord will show who belongs to me, them and do his holy, and he will have that person come near him. The man he chooses, he will cause to come near him. Now that takes in the idea, the importance of the calling of the Lord and the presence of the Lord and the power of the Lord and the fact that we want to submit to him. But in the end, he's the one that has his will done. He's the one that calls us. So we want to submit humbly to the Lord on a daily basis. In Numbers 16, 20 to 35, we have the continuation of that teaching. And on Wednesday, we have Numbers 16, 36 to 50, verse 42. But when the assembly gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron, and he turned toward the tent of meeting, suddenly the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron went to the front of the tent of meeting. The Lord said to Moses, get away from this assembly so I can put it into them at once. And they fell face down. So again, when we see that people are not obeying the Lord or not listening to the Lord or not doing what the Lord says. The Lord acts in vengeance. Moses said to Aaron, take your censer and put incense in it along with the fire from the altar and hurry to the assembly to make atonement for them. Wrath has come out from the Lord. The plague has started. It's amazing what God can do, people. So Aaron did as Moses said and ran in the midst of the assembly. The plague had already started among the people, but Aaron offered the incense and made atonement for them. He stood between the living and the dead, and the plague stopped. Wow. That is a really powerful text. So the people had rebelled against the Lord, and the Lord's anger burned hotly against them. And the plague began. But Moses, amazingly, came up with how to stop the plague, and he was able to do so and to save their lives. Then Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance to the tent of meeting for the plague had stopped. Again, unlike the New Testament, which has the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which has the um, journey of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus for his three years, and the New Testament from Romans to Jude that talks about letters and talks about a lot about theology and solving problems in the church and, of course, the book of Revelation. It's very much different from the Old Testament. And that these stories are really wonderful. I commend them to your reading. We have chapter 17 on Thursday. And on Friday and Saturday, we have chapter 20. So we skip a couple more chapters again. And this is the story of the water from the rock. Verse 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community in the land that I will give them. So 
Moses famously disobeyed the Lord, and uh, the Lord would not allow him and Aaron to go into the land. And so that is a very, very, very key uh, idea, that the fact that they were not allowed to go in. In chapter 21, which is on Saturday, we have the very famous uh, story that Jesus is referred to in Jesus, but look at it in verse 8. Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. Moses made a bronze stake, snake, put it up on a pole. Then when someone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. And amazingly, that's a reference to Jesus being up on a pole, the tree, and those who looked at him shall live. Isn't that an amazing parallel in Numbers? You wouldn't think that anything in Numbers 21 would have messianic implications, but in fact it does. So enjoy those readings from Numbers. Enjoy those readings uh, uh, abundantly. Now we go to a whole different category of, of, of biblical interpretation and, and biblical truth, and that is in the book of Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Now we're going to go, as I said earlier, all the way to Romans 6, 11, and there's, I wouldn't pretend to tell you uh, all that is there in this text as I uh, would say the same thing about the numbers, scriptures. But chapter 3, 21 to 31 is really fantastic. But now a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So our relationship with Christ is predicated upon our belief. And the righteousness from God comes to us in Jesus Christ. And it comes to us through our faith. So your faith is very, very important. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We are justified freely by his grace. How can I save myself? No. That redemption comes by Christ Jesus. It doesn't come any other way. And God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement, verse 25, through faith in his blood. At the end of 26, the one who justifies the man who has faith in Jesus. So we have faith in Jesus. We are justified by his blood. He has been presented as a sacrifice of atonement. We are justified freely by his grace. These are wonderful words of truth and encouragement about our relationship with Christ. Very, 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 very significant. In chapter 4, verses 1 through 12, we deal with, in chapter 4, how Abraham was justified by faith. And as he spoke about justification by faith in chapter 3, he wants to show that justification by faith is also present in the Old Testament, that you could be justified by faith in the Old Testament. And so the fourth chapter is very much about that. The last verse in the fourth chapter is particularly important. He was delivered to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. Jesus died for our sins by taking on himself our sins. And he was raised to life. He was raised from the dead for our justification so that in our justification we can go to heaven. What does that mean? That means when we stand before Jesus at the end of time, we will be justified based on our faith in Christ, which means that we will be declared not guilty. It's what they call a forensic term. 
which has to do with law and being judged. And so we are judged by Christ, but declared innocent because he is imputed his righteousness. He has given us his righteousness. And in exchange, we have received his, uh, he has received our sin. In chapter 5, which I spoke about in a recent uh, church service, we have been justified by faith. There's the idea again. We have been justified by faith. We have, pe- we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We have the grace of God. We stand in the grace of God. We rejoice in that hope of the glory of God. We've been justified through faith. We have peace with God, and all is well because we have peace with the Lord. Hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the power of God. Hope does not disappoint us because God's Spirit has been poured out to us. We also know that God loves us. He demonstrates his own love while we were still sinners Christ died for us. This is such wonderful good news to meditate upon and to think about. When we look at Romans 4, 12 to 21 on Friday, we see that sin entered the world in verse 12 through one man and death through sin. In this way, death came to all men because all sinned. Adam introduced, because of his sin in Genesis chapter 3, the idea that we are separated from God, doing our own thing, and living our own way. Sin entered the world through that action of Adam in his disobedience to the Lord because the Lord had given him his commandments and told him that if he disobeyed the commandment, he would surely die. Sadly, he did that. And so then we have the entry of sin and the death that came to all men because of one man's sin. However, those who have received God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So Jesus undoes the sinful action of Adam in Genesis 3 by living righteously. And because his righteousness, as I said earlier, is imputed to us, we are able to enjoy the righteousness of God. It is a very, very powerful action of God in our lives. In Romans 6, 1 through 11, he talks about not letting sin reign in our mortal body, living a new life, being a new person in Christ, a new daughter in Christ, a new son in Christ, a new life in Christ, no longer slaves to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. Rather, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. So we offering ourselves as new people, not tied into the old law anymore, but tied to Christ. For sin shall not be your master. You are not under law but under grace. And so count yourselves dead to sin. We are alive to God in Christ Jesus. That is the great news today, people. We are alive to God in Christ Jesus. So again, as you're reading Romans chapter 3, 21 through chapter 6, verse 11, wonderful verses, lots of theology there, lots of learning, very important. Read it slowly, read it carefully.
May the Lord bless you and your reading. Now we look finally at Matthew chapter 19 as we're looking at the gospel reading for these days. We start on Monday with 19, 13 to 22. 19, 13 to 22. And we are looking at the um, rich young man. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. I've kept all of them. What do I still lack? The famous answer in verse 21. Go sell your possessions. If you want to be perfect, give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. The man was very rich. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And so the thing that kept him from following Jesus was his possessions. And so that's a wonderful thing to think about and reflect upon. Do my possessions preclude my coming near to God, following Jesus, making him Lord of my life. On Tuesday, we look at 19, 23 to 30. They can't believe, the disciples can't believe that this man did not get into heaven. And Jesus has the very famous text, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When they heard this, they were greatly astonished and said, who can be saved? And he says, with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Do you believe that God can do anything? Do you believe that all things are possible with God? Do you also believe that you and I can't do anything? Man is impossible. Let God reign and rule in your life. Let God reign and rule in your life. Then we go to chapter 21 through 16. The parable of the workers in the vineyard. Oh, yes. Got the same wage, but they come in at different times. And people are upset because the people that came in later should get less money than the people that came in first. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. The men you hired last only worked one hour. You've made them equal to us. We've done all this work. And the answer of the landowner was, friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Are you envious because I'm generous? The last will be first. The first will be last. Of course, God is the landowner. He gets to choose. He gets to say. Are you envious because I am generous? That's a great thing to think about, isn't it? The generosity with God. And so, the mother of the sons of Zebedee come to her sons on Thursday's reading, and they want to sit at your left hand and your right hand. He says, you don't really know what you're asking. Beautiful scripture. You don't know what you're asking. You have no idea what you're asking me. Whoever wants to be great, must be your servant. Verse 26, whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What if all of us were acting in that way? We are not here to be served. We are here to serve. And Jesus' case, giving himself up for others. What a great way to live, humility. On Friday, we look at chapter 20, 
29, two men uh, with their sight. Lord, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. We want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight. Do you see how great Jesus is? Do you see how powerful he is? Do you see how amazing he is? He can heal two blind men who cannot see. Then finally, on Saturday, Matthew 21, 1 through 11, we have <coughs> Matthew 21, 1 through 11, we have the triumphal in- entry, and that usually happens in our liturgical season for Palm Sunday. And we have Jesus coming into Jerusalem victoriously. Of course, everybody knows that at the end of this time, he's going to be crucified. So he comes in in Matthew 21, and then we have these readings from Matthew 21 to 25, five chapters of what Jesus is doing when he comes back to Jerusalem. In chapter 26 of Matthew, we begin his journey towards death. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and said, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Galilee, in, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So, you see how much you can do in one week? We've looked at several scriptures from Numbers and how the people were dealing with unbelief and how people dealt with not submitting to the word of the Lord, then justification by faith, call of Abraham, Abraham in faith in chapter 4. In chapter 5, some beautiful scriptures about peace, having peace with God. And, of course, chapter 6, living like a new person, living like a Christian. And then, of course, more about the journey of Jesus from chapter 19 to his triumphal entry in chapter 21. So just take your time on a daily basis. Give yourself a few minutes to pray. Give yourself a few minutes to listen to these scriptures. And may the Lord bless you abundantly as you hear the word of the Lord. God bless your people. Give them ears to hear and a desire to do your will. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time.